This is Rating Descending. Where we watch IMDb's Worst 250 so you don't have to. My name is Abigail Ward. And I'm Michelle St. Clair. And this week we watched Highlander 3, The Final Dimension. Deceived that he had won the prize, Connor McCloud awakens from a peaceful life when an entombed immortal magician comes seeking the Highlander. Let's watch. One thing I really wanted to mention is we got another, like, correction. <laughs> okay. In that Luke Anton, a uh, good friend and longtime listener, mentions that we really butchered the Easter days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ted. tell us. So, Holy Thursday, we didn't even know that was a thing. Holy is that when he went on the cross? No. Because he is resurrected on no. Easter Day. Holy Thursday Sunday. was the Last Supper. Exactly. That's good. what exactly what I said, Luke. Can good. you just listen? Can you just actually, like... Just listen to us. That's what I that's what I said. Good Friday was the crucifixion. Easter Saturday was nothing. And Sunday he rose from the dead. Monday's just a public holiday. Sunday he did rise from yeah, the dead. Yeah, you were right. I knew it. Rose on the third day. Good Friday counts as the first, first day. day. Right. Yeah, so we were really off. The thing is, Luke, thank you so much. Um for that that schooling. I did go to Bible school for nine years. No, ten years longer. But what? it didn't. It didn't work. It didn't help. It didn't take. It. It just didn't <laughs> gel with me. Um, but you know, um, the thing to remember is that we could have looked this up, but we chose not to because we're humble. We're just two women. Yeah, we don't know. Sometimes everything. I'm gonna look up information that I don't know, and then I go, "No, I'm no, too humble. I'm for too this. modest. <laughs> too modest. I won't absorb this information. I'll let others teach <laughs> me. Fuck? And I think that's the real beauty." In having a platform like this, you know, we're yeah. letting other people educate us. This is not an informational <laughs> podcast. This is a, l- please listen to these two idiots go on a journey into self-hatred. <laughs> no, thank you so much, Luke. We we appreciate that. Yeah. How are you, Michelle? I'm really good. Yeah? Genuinely. I had this moment yesterday where I was just like, I had just driven to the post office to do an errand and then I was driving back to work and like... Just had this moment of sitting there and being like, man, I can't believe I get to do this. Just in the sense of like being, uh, just, I, I, sometimes I just get overwhelmed by the fact that I'm here. I'm able to be a woman and drive around and fucking go and do errands like a normal person. And I get to go to the grocery store and I don't have to choose between food and rent. Like I can just exist as a person. And that was something that didn't feel possible at all for a really, really long time. Mm. And sometimes that makes me really emotional just being like, you know what? There's still a lot of parts of my life that I would do differently or would want different, but that it's just the fact that I'm still here is really incredible. Yeah. So I just had a day, I had a real moment of appreciating that. And then today's just been a good day. That's so nice. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. I've had a really hectic couple of weeks and I know I have a hectic two more weeks to come, I reckon. But then I'll be good. Yeah. I just want life to slow the fuck down. I mm. don't like how we're in April. That's not fair. Yeah. I'm suing somebody. 
If anyone wants to take responsibility for the lapsing of time, the fleeting of each moment, rushing by my ears, let me know. I will take you to task. Sue, big daddy time. Big daddy big time. Big daddy. Big time is fucking me up the ass. You've been served, big daddy. I know that's an American thing, but still. <laughs> oh, big daddy. Yeah, I'm getting subpoenaed by time every day. <laughs> Every day time comes knocking on my door being like, found your motherfucker, and they thrust a file into my hands. And I'm like, ah! Big daddy time is suing you then. Yeah, look, my understanding of subpoenas and how they are given is completely based on the opening sequence of Pineapple Express. Yeah. That's it for me. That's my understanding of the law. Bad you have to do to um, get a full peanut. Yeah, 100%. The prime peanut. Prime. Prime painter. Yeah, which is also what I say when I take off my clothes. If I hand a dick. <laughs> Moment of silence for the dick Abby could have had. <laughs> but you're right. There's there's sub-peanut. Yeah. Mid-peanut and prime peanut. Mm. You get a prime peanut when like you just like straight up like commit genocide. That's a prime peanut. Jesus. For sure. This conversation went from three to ten really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> when peanuts get involved... The, hy- the hyenas come out to play. <laughs> You've never heard that idiom? No, 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 keep going, keep going. <laughs> oh, this is my slam Nobody poem. stop her, nobody stop her. Penis, hyenas, play, kids, the streets of Sydney, me, 30, big tits, big ass. Yeah. No peanut. Uh-huh. Except a sub. Eat fresh. Uh-huh. Snaps. Oh, I can't snap, so this is me. Trying. Next up, we have Michelle Sinclair. Oh, um, where are we going? Where are we going? Where where do we go now? Where do we go, True. sweet child? Oh, mine. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Michelle Sinclair. <laughs> I can't snap. I went to one slam poetry event. Mm. Many years ago. In Bankstown, right? Yeah, with yeah. you. Not good. No. Well, I, I thought it was all right. I was just like, yeah, I get why people like this. but And yet we never returned. Well, I, well we didn't live in Bankstown. We went to support w- one friend. Even if we lived in Bankstown, I wouldn't have returned. It's the snapping for me. Yeah, again, I can't do it. <laughs> that's what why. I, that's your issue. What I hate is when I say to someone, yeah, I can't snap. And then almost every single person I've ever revealed that to then goes... Oh, see, what you have to do is you get your, your middle finger against your thumb and then you push hard. I'm like, I get the fucking mechanics. I'm 26. It's not that no one's explained it to me. Oh, okay. Well, Michelle, this is what you do. Like, when you have to snap, you just get your big finger. Your big finger. Uh-huh. Some call it a thumb. Yeah. <laughs> I call it big finger. <laughs> then you get the middle finger in your hand and you really just wrap them. Yeah. And someone will be like, it's actually because your finger hits the thing. I'm like, no, I get it. I get it. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that everyone's first reaction is like, oh, no, I'll explain it. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't say I don't know how to snap. I said I can't snap. You don't have the spirit of the snap. That's the problem. The, yeah. my You need my, gusto and um, gumption. I think it's that my thumb muscles are so underdeveloped that I just don't have the, the angle required 
to create a surface to snap on. That's my theory. Yeah, it really makes you question the quality of that that thumb meat right at the bottom. You know mm. how when you look at your hand, you got your thumb and then it leads into that bit of thumb meat on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I look <laughs> at my thumb, I'm like, there's the thumb, there's the meat. <laughs> you ever had your palm read? I'm like, ah, oh, the way the line's curved around your thumb meat here is <laughs> yeah. really interesting. Oh, this meat curve is is really, really good. <laughs> the Yeah, the thumb meat, I think, is the sexiest part of the hand. <laughs> How strong is your thumb meat? I actually, you know what? I said that mine is probably underdeveloped, but at the same time, I've been playing analog stick console controller games since oh, I was like four years old. you got a strong old. thumb. I you... probably have a really strong thumb. Yeah, I bet you like wore the fucking grooves off of your PlayStation controllers. I've done that with multiple controllers, Jesus yeah. Christ, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all the things where it's just like, oh, quickly toggle it back and forth. And you're like, you know, you know those ones? Oh, 100%. What? I I do. Okay, great. (laughs) I just don't have any gusto for it. Yeah. No gumption, which I brought up earlier, Mm. if you'd remember. Speaking of earlier, we watched Highlander 3. Yeah. And it was a time. Specifically, we watched Highlander 1 and then 3. We skipped 2 because 2 is notably not part of the canon universe. Yeah. And yet we will have to return to it. In a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, it it feels like this is less Highlander 3 so much as it is Highlander 2, but let's try it again. Yeah, it's them all pretending Highlander 2 didn't exist at Mm. all. This was... I really liked Highlander 1. We watched Highlander 1 for the first time with this because we'd never seen any of them. We wanted to understand this world and, like, what we were going into. We enjoyed Highlander 1 for what it is, which is, like, cheesy cult classic film it feels disingenuous though to just say i like it because there's so much more nuance to it than that like if someone was like what do you think of highlander i couldn't just say i do or do not like it you know because it was so bad and such a blitz into your brain of the absolute insanity we kept joking that like highlander one refuses to let you know what's going on like it just doesn't give you any information and as it continues, it's kind of like, surely you get it by now, right? And I'm like, no, yeah, not at all. But by the midpoint, especially as soon as Sean Connery's character is introduced, you really kind of start to get on its side. And Clancy Brown is such a fantastic yeah. villain for the first one. Like, he's so, like, in it. He's like, him and Sean Connery are giving it 120% the whole yeah. time. And you kind of really get into it by that midpoint. And you're and like, all right, whole, I'm like, here. The montage sequence of, like, him oh fighting God. with Sean Connery on different hillsides in the Highlands. And then also the really beautiful montage sequence of his wife dying. Yeah. Like, he sticks by Heather. She becomes an old woman. That Queen song... Forever. Can you feel it, McLeod? It's the quickening. Forever. I can feel it. So much like magical shit is going on in that film. Yeah. It's like the bits that are actually set in America, I couldn't give two shits about. I want all that Highland beauty, all that Highland mysticism. To, to clarify, it cuts between, with no regard to understanding, modern day uh, New York and. 1500 Scottish Highlands. Yeah. Uh, whether or not, it never really tells you that, apart from one guy saying that it's like 1504 in Scotland. 1536, 1536. is the year he is driven from his town. Yeah. 
But other than that, it doesn't really explain any of that to you. Also, it's the same guy present in both timelines, and it takes you about 60 minutes in for them to say, like, he is immortal. Uh, yeah. Because before that point, you're like, what? What the fuck? Is but, it like, the same guy? As I said, I was like, yeah, we know this is dumb, but we're still, like, in it for the intrigue and mystery. Yeah. We're enjoying it for that. Yeah. So it, it did something right. I would argue Cloud Atlas did the same thing where the first 20 minutes was really fucking overwhelming. And then the rest of it, I was like, this is one of the most beautiful and moving movies I've ever seen. Still haven't so, seen that. Highlander, Cloud Atlas, uh, similar. Similar. In a lot of ways. Well, like the general plot of Highlander 1, for any listeners that haven't seen it, is that Connor McCloud, yeah, he is an immortal. He can't be killed. And you're going between his origin story in, like, 1500 Scotland mm. and him in modern-day America. Basically because in modern-day America, the happening... No, the gathering is occurring. And the gathering is the final fight where all the immortals will actually, like, kill each other. Yeah. So the gathering is occurring, and it's because of Kurgan, the immortal that keeps trying to kill Connor. Yeah. So you're going through these... That's, like, the the general gist of it. And at the end, he doesn't kill Connor. Connor kills him. Connor's like, there can only be one because that's the tagline. to him, like, three times. That's the running tagline of the whole franchise. There can only be one. There can only be one. And he kills Kurgan, and he gets all of his power. He ends up with this reporter that was trying to fucking... Not reporter. She worked for the police. Yeah. He ends up with this chick, and they go to Scotland together, and they fall in love, and it's a happy ending. That's the first one. Let me give you a little overview of what happened in this one. Well, also, just quickly, I wanted to say, specifically, Kurgan absorbs their power when he kills an immortal. But also, he said there can only... There can be only one. And I kept saying there can only be one. And one of those is a lot better of a line <laughs> than the other. <laughs> um, some general information about this film. And again, we're going to skip the events of the second film because they're not canon and we have to do it later anyway. It is on the list. Um, This film got 4.5 stars on IMDb. It was made in 1994, eight years after the first one. Mm. So I believe the second one was 1991, um, five years after the first one. Okay. This one was directed by Andrew Morahan. Andrew Morahan did not direct the first Highlander. He and nor did he direct the second one. He okay. is a music video director, which you can totally oh, see. But it's no me. surprise because the first and second Highlanders were directed by a guy that is also a music video director. Mm. He is an that first the guy that did the first one. He actually did a couple of really interesting things and actually did other yeah. movies apart from this. But he is an Australian music video well, director. Really, the blueprint for Spike Jones and David Fincher of music video directors turned into features they both watched highlander and was like i can do it yeah <laughs> it's but <my> way turn. <laughs> better <laughs> what um, what the guy that did the first one i'm sorry i can't actually remember his name and i can't be fucked to look it up but the guy that directed the first film he didn't write it mm. um he wrote he did all the music videos for like wham and bananarama and oh, wow. duran duran like all the really 80s music videos yeah. and you joked that there's a sex scene in this film that looks like a Bonnie Tyler music video. The director of this film, Andrew Morahan, directed a Bonnie Tyler music video. Nailed it. Not um, Total Eclipse of the Heart, but a, a very similar one. But still, it's I'm really... Vibe. Look, to pump myself up for a moment, I'm really imp- impressed that I got such specific stylization so correct. <laughs> 100%. You know what? You, that was a Total Eclipse of the Brain, you know? <laughs> this chick is off the hook. She nuts. She's poggers, man. And that's just cat. 
I can't deal with your crackhead energy. Sorry, I'm just slipping into Gen Z lingo here. Oh my god, what? We oh. need the viewers. We need the listeners. Oh man. Oh man. When, when did the teenagers get here? Oh man. You youthful woman. You absolute waifu milf. You oh. fucking pog is bitch. Really? <laughs> Sorry, now I'm getting course. just really <laughs> aggressive. Here's the overview. <laughs> and by the way, it was also written by Gregory Wyden, and Gregory Wyden wrote the original Highlander. Okay. So he did the screenplay for this and the second one. He's been there the whole way. I and mean, I actually want to talk to you about him after. Because yeah, sure. The way that the first Highlander came about, the whole franchise came about, is really interesting. Yeah, and the way that this movie went, I'm sure he only has one idea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Overview. After the events of the first Highlander, Brenda is killed in a car accident. Now in 1994, Connor lives in Marrakesh with his adopted son, John. Meanwhile, a young archaeologist, Dr. Alexandra Johnson, excavates a legendary cave and sets loose an evil immortal named Cain, who has been trapped for over four centuries with his henchmen. Cain is now on the hunt for Connor. Connor returns to New York, sensing the quickening. Cain and Connor quickly fight, but Connor's blade is smashed apart by Cain, who flees. Connor returns to the Highlands, pursued by Dr. Alex, who has discovered his true identity. Connor reveals he and Alex's ancestor, Sarah, had a passionate romance during the French Revolution. They kiss. They French. Connor rushes home when his son, John, is abducted by Cain. They fight it out in an abandoned power plant, and the Highlander decapitates Cain. He returns to Scotland to live with Alex and John. Nice. That was the film. Yeah. And it was bananas. I had to leave out a lot of information because I couldn't fit chaos into like four paragraphs, but that's the film. If any listeners are wondering what the plot of Highlander 1 was, it's pretty much that, but the names are different. (laughs) 100%. 100%. It was the exact same plot as the first one. They even did like the same little car chase scene. Yeah. Yeah. So many of the scenes, especially in the second half, I said to you, oh, this is that scene from the first one. Yeah. Like just them redoing it but with different with d- characters yeah <laughs> i yeah it, it's it, it it was just a copy of the first one almost like makeup for what happened in the first one actually mm. i found this information someone had said that they expected that highlander 3 would be called highlander 3 the apology <laughs> because of how butchered everything got by the second one i just this whole this whole movie though is still so batshit like Every element is weird. It It is obsessed with Japanese iconography. Yeah. Christopher Lambert, who plays Connor McLeod, we said sounds very German. I've got plenty of information okay. about Christopher Lambert Great. for you. Because it was always really funny hearing, I'm from the Scottish Highlands. I am from the Highlands. And then when we go back into 1563, genuinely has a Scottish Highlands voice. I think they're sort trying of. to say like... Yeah, for what he could do. <laughs> but like, I think they were trying to ba- basically make out like after all these years, he... He's lost his accent. Now he's a man of the world. But it's not true of any of the other immortals. No. And I also think that, like, you don't just have an international accent if you travel long enough. One does stick with you after a couple of years and you start talking in that. Because he's American. He'd probably just have an American Oh, you know, I'm just from America. I'm walking here in New York. (laughs) That was what it sounded like. Wait, I'm going to tell you first. I'm going to tell you about just the history of Highlander. And then we're really going to delve into what the fuck's going on with Christopher Lambert. Okay, That's that's my promise to you. So Highlander was created by Gregory Wyden. This kind of fucks me up because I'm an aspiring screenwriter. Mm. And what happened to this man is what everybody dreams of, except he made genuinely terrible films. Okay. 
The first Highlander maybe is an exception, but again, that's a really heavy maybe. Exception is generous, and I also agree. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like it. I simultaneously think it's the best and worst thing I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, it's shit, and it's incredible. I want to watch it again and again. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed myself. It's like the raw one effect. It, yeah, it, because it's, like, I have to say it is objectively bad as a movie because it's something else. It's, mm. it's, a, it's a different art form. And it's that really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris Gregory Wyden went to UCLA. Okay. And he wrote a script for his project, his assessment, mm. and it was Highlander. Oh my and at God. that point it was a very different Highlander. Yeah. And it went through a lot of different versions, but he wrote Highlander and his instructor said, Hey, you should pitch this to like any production studio that will take you. And mm. he sold the script for two hundred thousand oh dollars. And it was God. made shortly after. Yeah. So this guy had the dream experience yeah. of, like, writing a very subpar movie. <laughs> but someone yeah. just went, yeah, man, I get the vision. Scotland, man. <laughs> Fucking Sean Connery yeah. in a Spanish outfit with no, a little hat. He's Scottish. He dies, but then he's immortal. You know, uh, we don't explain anything. And then it's in New York, and this guy tries to kill him. I totally get it. I totally get it. You get $200,000 straight up. <laughs> I could pump that fucking baby out in no time. It also, I'm annoyed. It also tells you, though, the 80s were different. They were so different. That can't happen now. They were in the, the middle of the whole like Hollywood blockbuster phase where they yeah. really wanted these big action epics, exactly like what this is. So I get it, but it doesn't mean that I, as a screenwriter and a woman, am not annoyed because mm. I am annoyed. Mm. I want that $200,000. So this is actually a PSA to Gregory Wyden. G- give it to, to me. Give me your fucking money. Give me $200,000. I'm trying really hard, all right? <laughs> so just give it. Well, do you have a finished script? For this semester? No. Just in general? I do. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? I've got two. Which two? I've got my Bush Ranger film. No, finished. Not... not First draft, finished. Bush Ranger film was not a first draft. How dare you? That was like on its fifth draft. Okay, I just meant the idea that he at least allegedly sold a finished it's, it's script. <laughs> I'm, I did a finished script at the end of last semester. It's changed. In the meantime, it has changed. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, what you did is you changed it so that the lead character, instead of being a, a young woman in the 90s, is actually from the Scottish Highlands. Mm, and her name is Candace McTrot. <laughs> McTrot? McTrot. McTrot was your McCloud alternative. (laughs) (laughs) McTrot. Candace McTrot, and she keeps getting younger. Mm. She's Benjamin Buttoning. Can you feel it, McTrot? (laughs) (laughs) Who's like the female equivalent of Sean Connery now? Um, Who's got suave and swagger as a lady? I don't know. This is not accurate, but Joan Cusack. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. you can feel it. <laughs> you can feel it, McTrot. <laughs> but she's in her School of Rock outfit. Yeah. Which is a principal's costume. We don't need to explain it. They didn't fucking explain his outfit. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, we- he was Spanish, but also not Spanish. We'll have to also okay. touch on, on Sean Connery. Let's get back to Gregory oh, Wyden. There's so much to unpack with this movie. I know. Well, really, uh, to be honest, all I have to say about Gregory Wyden is that he had like the dream experience where he wrote a very mm. subpar script. Someone really loved the idea of it and he got it sold instantly. And he got to oversee the script changing in production. He got to write the second and the third one. Mm. I don't know anything about Highlander beyond the third film because I'm afraid. 
Um, I know there was a six-season TV show. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot. But that's Gregory Wyden. So that's how Highlander came about. Mm. And I will say that, like, just as an overview for you, obviously you know this, but, like, Highlander is very loved. When the first Highlander came out, it didn't have a huge critical acclaim or, like, reception even. No. I know. <laughs> but years later, people were like, fuck, this film was something else. <laughs> yeah. Um. Apparently on set while it was being created the set environments were just, like, really positive and happy. Everyone was really excited for the film. Really, The cast had a great time. There was heaps of extras on set in Scotland that were getting, like, fucking tanked and getting paid £10 an hour. But the mood and the vibe were really good, so much so that a lot of people would work overtime for free. They heard Christopher Lambert deliver the lines in that way, and they were like, this is really good. Well, this is also something I want to touch on with the first Highlander as a segue into Christopher Lambert. Yeah. The first Highlander, they looked far and wide for their lead. And they found Christopher Lambert, and they were like, this guy's excellent. We want him. Mm-hmm. They signed a contract with him. It was done. And then they found out that he spoke next to no English at all. Okay, here we go. Yeah. This is, I, knew, I fucking nailed it. Last night, I was looking up some brief information, and I said to you that I noticed that Christopher Lambert was born in New York, so I was very confused. Yeah. Christopher Lambert was born in New York and then very quickly moved to and was raised and educated in Geneva. Okay, there we go. And then moved to Paris in his teens. This he is a American-born French actor. That makes so I think they way saw more that sense. he was born in New York, assumed it would be fine. Yeah. They signed the contract and they went, holy shit, this guy can't speak any English. Because when you said he's born in New York, I, all I could just imagine is him being like, yes, I am a native-born New Yorker. <laughs> Here we go. Again, it's another case of Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> yeah. He was born in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, that makes way more sense about Christopher. I'm like, he has to be fucking European. <laughs> yeah, so he's a Frenchman, and he's quite critically acclaimed as a French actor. Really? This was the first, well, they love him. They okay. just adore him. Okay. But he, yeah, they were really shocked and worried when they found out that he couldn't speak any English. So for the first four days of every day on shoot for the first one, there was a coach trying to teach him how to speak English. Oh, my God. And also how to sound not French, but generally European. Okay. So that was the thing. Well, that, that makes sense as to why his accent was amorphous Europe yeah. more than anything. I also found out that Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery got along exceedingly well on set. That doesn't surprise me They became me incredible friends. They loved their scenes together. Sean Connery was there for all of one week and they bonded incredi- like an incredible amount and that's why for the second one, Sean Connery was like, I don't think I should come back and like Christopher Lambert was like, you'll have to. And then he did <laughs> and it was shocking. You have to join us in my hometown of New York. York. <laughs> <laughs> but that makes sense because, I mean, Sean Connery is one of the strangest men and Christopher Lambert also strikes me as an incredibly strange man. Sean Connery is a really bizarre man. I mean, like, he he's, like, very... He's Scottish Marlon Brando. Let's just be honest with ourselves. He is, 100%. And he's also got, like, that playboy attitude of Marlon Brando. Like, yeah. he was such a womanizer in his time. Everything that you read about Sean Connery is how he was extremely, like, egotistical but very charismatic and kind yeah. at the same time. There's lots yeah. of good stories about him, but also the women in his life would beg to differ. He was married to Diane... I don't know how to say her surname. Is it Chalento? Salento? I don't know. She's an Australian actress. Oh, cool. And um, she was his first wife, and she said after nine years together that, that he'd like been physically and emotionally abusive the whole time. Yikes. So, yeah, that's a whole thing. Okay. Yeah, and he was yeah, a very famous womanizer, had multiple affairs. Not great, but to men, what a guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that's something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, nailed it. 
We're, we haven't even... We're not even really talking about Highlander I, 3. Yeah. Like, that's how we're crazy go Highlander it. is. I just want to really briefly cap off that, yeah, Christopher Lambert had to go through a lot of, like, dialect and um, a lot of dialect coaching. And when he came to Highlander 3, he was much better at speaking English. Mm. Um, Debatable. <laughs> but also something else interesting. I want to talk about, like, just the other cast in this film. Sure. The main bad guy in this film was Mario Van Peebles. Oh! Okay, I've heard of Mario Van Peebles. I think. Maybe I'm misremembering. His dad is Melvin Van Peebles, and Melvin Van Peebles did a lot of, like, blaxploitation films in the 70s. And Mario made a film about his dad making blaxploitation films, and he also did New Jack City. Mario Van Peebles directed New Jack City. I've never heard of New Jack City. Oh, it was, like, this, like, 90s... I guess Jack once had a city and... And then it was about the new one. At one point, it was old, but now this is a different one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but he plays the main bad guy, Kane. Yeah, and he's actually very fun to watch. I'm not gonna lie, Look, I really liked watching him. Here's the thing: if Kane as a villain was more distinctly different from the Kurgan, I probably would agree. But he's almost identical, but has magic. And I mean, Mario Van Peebles is no Clancy Brown. No, no one's a, a Clancy Brown. Right, and that's. That means that it doesn't matter how distinct and kind of fun Mario Van Peebles you is. Clancy Brown. Yeah, I was just like, what we really need is a Clancy Brown. Fair enough. I wish they leaned into him being a sorcerer more. Well, cause... apparently Christopher Lambert specifically wanted Mario Van Peebles because they had worked together wow. earlier. And he went, I love this guy. It turns out Christopher Lambert probably just gets on with everyone. But he was like, I loved Mario Van Peebles. you got to get him for the bad guy. I, I demand it. And they yeah. did Mario was like, I love Christopher. Let's do it. Let's go. I just wish, because the, the whole movie, because Kane has sort of relatively generic East Asian armor. Maybe it is specifically Japanese, I think. Um, it's sort of samurai-esque. Yeah. And he does, like, wield a sword around. He He's almost like a... a, a, a I, don't know the, I don't know a specific term, but he's, he's almost just like a, a roaming warrior with a band of people following him. Yeah. Um, but his whole shtick is that he's meant to be a sorcerer with magic. And I feel like we only see him cast magic in the second half, in the back half of the movie. Mm. If he was more of a sorcerer, more of this like crazy, weird, wicked sorcerer who also could wield a sword rather than a warrior who also knew magic, I probably would have liked it more. Fair. Because I feel it. that's one of the things that made it feel just so much like you're just doing the first movie, but without the heart. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. didn't need to exist as a film. No. It, it did nothing new. It is the template of the perfunctory sequel where it is just like, what if we did the same thing? But again. I think like my problem was also like, it was also, it, it looked worse than the first one. It did. It the looked a lot worse. The first one actually looked crisp. It didn't always look like a film, but... Most of the time it looked like a film. This one looked always like a music video. Yeah. Always. Yeah. The sets never looked realistic. The color grading was really odd. The f- quality of the footage was really low. Yeah. It always looked grainy and, and off focus. Really quite bad. Just actually <laughs> shocking. Like shockingly made. Just badly produced. Yeah. Badly directed. <laughs> but I liked Mario Van Peebles. And also... um. What I love about these films as well, what I want to touch on, is that all of the leads, all of the women in his life are blonde. Yeah. That makes Heather sense. was blonde in the first one. The main character, the main love interest, Brenda, was blonde. Yeah. This chick, blonde. But she was redhead. Her ancestor was a redhead That's French revolution. Also, oh, we need to talk about the French Revolution plot, by the way. Really oh, quickly. yeah. Which was- because <laughs> his love interest in this is Dr. Alex, and he says to her, yeah. like, hey, 
I kind of fucked your great 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 grandmother during the French Revolution. We had a thing. I really loved her. She thought I got guillotined. I didn't. I was fine. Yeah. But I knew she got married and moved on, so I let it be. And she's like, okay. Yeah. Sick. That's Which normal. Doesn't add on to anything. No. When it begins, you think that the revel it like it's definitely presented as if the revelation is that she is actually that the, person the and she's person. another immortal. She's just an ancestor. She's just a she's yeah, she's just a descendant. But what I love is that in the flashback scenes to the revolution, him and Sarah are fucking in a barn. They get yeah. nasty, and then a dude's like, Oh, Connor, you've gotta go. And he's like, What's up? And they're like, It's the revolution. We need you. <laughs> and she's like, you're not coming back, are you? And you and me were like, where is he going? <laughs> what do they need from him? The revolution they in general. Him. They need him. And then him it cuts to forwards where he's like captured. Clearly failed. In a prison and is about to be guillotined. It's, uh, things didn't go to plan for poor old Connor McLeod. But also, to be fair, also to his defense, though, like... It is the French Revolution. When she's like, you're not coming back. It's like, well, th- this is a major historical event. How would you know at the time? You just don't. Well, you would know at the time because you're like, the people are overthrowing the monarchy, which there was no other republics. That's it's huge. True. That's but it'd massive. Be odd if my friend was like, dude, Parliament's getting overthrown in Canberra. We need you. And I'd be like, me? Okay, but you need you're me? not an immortal warrior. What can he do in the revolution? Just fight? Fight, I assume. I also hopefully, I really, really like to think, even though we never see it, that he's read a book. <laughs> I think the first one actually implies that he's read a book. Yeah. It does. Specifically because he looks at the back of a book and recognizes it, the love interest. So there's the implication that he's read a book at least recently. I mean, this guy can live forever. I, If I could live forever, I would try and read every book possible. Yeah. You'd have the time. That's what I'm saying. That'd be incredible. I would hope I, he read a book. I lament. I mourn every day that I cannot read every book. Maybe maybe one of the subplots we never got to see is he's actually quite the, quite the statesman. Mm, he's actually, like, quite studious as well. Mm. And he's um, always educating himself. He's always well, enrolling in courses. One of the main things in the first one that isn't there as much is, that, like, he's an antiquities dealer. And all I could think was, okay... You're from the Scottish Highlands, right? So obviously a lot of the antiquities are stuff that he's picked up at the time, Mm. not just stuff that he's bought. At what point do you start selling it? You know, do you wait for... Because obviously like in 1800, oh, there's probably not as much of an antiquities market. Mm. You get to like 1915, you know, that's when people started getting really into history. I guess. Just 1915. Just specifically. <laughs> that year. I know the early 1900s, they started to do more history stuff. So I don't know. Hmm. Um, do do you go, because you don't, he doesn't know the future. Is that when he goes, all right, I'm going to start selling my authentic Scottish artifacts. He would have to bring a lot of stuff with him as well yeah. to make a reasonable amount of money. He'd have storage units everywhere. Yeah. Would he just like bury it and leave it somewhere remote and come back for it years later? And then oh. Remember that bit where he finds his tools that he buried many years before? Oh, that yeah. was Highlander 1. But he finds his tools that he buried many years before and he pulls them out of a rock and he holds them and he's like, yeah. Doesn't he do that in tools. this one though? I thought it was the first she, one. Because she has the rectangle, you know, the rectangle from the guy at the beginning. Oh, so he goes there to forge. Yeah. I thought that was in this one because they his sword gets broken by the Kane. the same movie, Michelle. Yeah that's, yeah, that's true. And then there's a montage of him. It's like eight shots in a row that are almost the exact same shot of him just lightly tapping a sword in the Scottish Highlands. And then yeah. suddenly the woman is behind him going, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, I've made another sword. <laughs> 
<laughs> she really just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Dr. Alex is not a great character. She literally emerges from behind a tree in one shot. I thought Brenda I wasn't a good character, but Brenda actually had a motivation to do with the plot. Alex yeah. is just there and wants to fuck him. Yeah. It's terrible. It's crazy. Before, like, one thing I 100% want to talk about, though, is the intro. Because the intro begins at, not 11, it begins at 15. It, and it's, like, like, Connor looking at the camera being like, I am an immortal. Yeah. Staring down the battle, barrel of the camera. Not a single shot lasts more than, like, one and a half seconds. It's, like, so fast. And it's yeah. cutting between him in the present, sitting on, like, a throne, talking to the camera, to just, like, lightning, to him back in the 1500s, as a, dressed as a Scotsman, talking to an old Japanese swordmaster slash sorceress. Played by Marco. Played by Marco. Marco. Is that how you say it? Mako? Marco? I don't uh... Marco is, like, the guy that voiced um, Uncle Iroh from Avatar. Oh! He was also... I just watched Conan the Barbarian for the first time. He was also Akira, the, um, like, this, like, dude in a hut in Conan. He's, like, a really famous character yeah, actor. Yeah, I told you I recognized his voice. Yeah. I just didn't realize it actually was him. It's, like, he did a lot of voiceover work, a lot of work for, like, Western films in particular. He was almost, like, the go-to mystical Japanese man, which the, is kind of inherently racist. Um, the thing that I years. said, I recognized him, even though I've watched Avatar, but I mostly was like, oh, that's Aku from Samurai Jack. Yeah, and it is. Yeah. yeah. His name is Mako, M-A-K-O, Mako. Right. And um, um, he's he's a very acclaimed actor. Yeah, and so it suddenly cuts to him doing magic while forging a sword, and then Connor, the actual Scotsman, is there, and then cutting back between him still talking to the camera, and then cutting to a group of samurai in a village with Kane just, like, killing people left and right, and you're like, what the fuck is going on yeah you and i started the film before watching highlander one we got 20 minutes in both of us and went i can't the first i can't i have to go back to the first one the first five minutes which by the way that sequence ends with kane cutting off uh the old Swordmaster's head and then the Swordmaster on the ground his head separated on the ground is like you will not succeed ah yeah and then blue lightning is everywhere by it's a lot. And also, Holy by the way, some shit. of the beheadings in all of these films are insane. Like, when he beheads Kane at the end of this film, he does the slash, and you see it from, like, five different angles. Because, yeah. again, no one in this Repeats film understands how to show something concisely or cleanly. You get it, like, a million times. And then, literally, Kane turns around to look at him, and he turns his neck, yeah. which has been severed from his body. Mm. And then he kind of does this, like, head jerk, and it just slides off his body. It's so graphic. It's so wild. The first five minutes is, like, a whole movie by itself. Yeah. But compressed into five minutes. It's so insane. Do you want a bit of trivia? I would love a bit of trivia. So I have already told you that. So this is a bit of trivia about Mario Van Peebles. Okay. So apparently while they were filming in Montreal, because they filmed a lot in Canada, Mm. There were two local punk rockers with mohawk hairdos that were hired as extras for a scene in which they attempt to rob the newly awakened Kane in a dark alley. Okay. The two were paid a nominal fee and thanked for their services before shooting. The scene was later cut when after the extras were seen taking drugs on set <sighs> and they were overheard plotting to kidnap Mario Van Peebles by driving away in the makeup RV with him in it. <sighs> <laughs> that's just the fuck? you're like hey kids off the street let yeah. me get you in on this cool movie and they're like let's fucking get the main actor and they're like ah. <laughs> the fuck that's an insane that's insane 
Director Andy Morahan has directed several music videos for the band for the band Guns N' Roses. <laughs> And wanted them to do a soundtrack for the film, similar to how Queen did the first one. Yeah. According to Morahan, they were excited about the idea, but it fell through when Axel Rose refused to do it if Mario Van Peebles remained in the film. What? The reason for Axel's dislike of Peebles has never been explained. What? Yeah. What the? Well, look, Axel Rose is notably one of the most unreasonable men in rock, which is, I mean, it's rock and roll. We're really saying something there. Here's something I found out about Ramirez, the character. Uh-huh. He's meant to be Egyptian. What? Yeah. What? He's in a Spanish outfit, played by a white man, a Scotsman, but he's meant to be Egyptian. Because I was thinking, he said he's 2,000 years old yeah. in 1500, so that means he was born in 500 BC. He can't be a Spaniard, there was no Spain. Yeah. And he still sounds Scottish, Although there wasn't a Scotland then either. Yeah. <laughs> if he's Egyptian, that would mean he's Greek Egyptian, right? Two thousand years old. Because that, that would have been fifteen in 50, the fifteen hundreds. No, Five hundred BC would have been. Would that have been too early for Ptolemaic Egypt? That's oh, not the point. Still weird. Still weird. Still really weird. At a Q and A session with director Andy Morahan, the director was asked what he thought about the similarities with this film and the original. He said that he neither considers this a sequel to Highlander or a prequel to Highlander, but an equal to the first film. Why would it be a prequel? I I don't don't think he knows what the words mean. I don't understand. I I don't think he knows what the words mean, though. No. Because, like, a prequel would be set before, and this is explicitly set eight years after. It's nonsense. I've heard the term equal jokingly used for movies that are, like, set at the same time as, but from a different perspective. That's a which I think is a fun term. I like Borderlands' pre-sequel where it's made after but it's set before. Yeah. That's fun. But just that's in this case, it's just a sequel. It's just a sequel. It's just a sequel. <laughs> he's he's right though in that it's an equal in that it is the same thing, but again. It's bananas. <laughs> Do you want some reviews? Yeah. So this film holds a 5% approval rating on Martin Tomatoes. Again, that would be a 0.5 out of 10 on IMDb. That's, that's higher, are. actually, than some of the things we've watched recently. <laughs> Stephen Holden of the New York Times remarked, how could an action-adventure film that cost $34 million... What? Most of which clearly went into pyrotechnics, computerized special effects, and scene locations end up looking cheap, silly, and lifeless. Mm. Highlander 3 is an incoherent mess and has performances that are one-dimensional even by the undemanding standards of the genre. By the way, speaking of dimensions, there was no final dimension. No dimension. What does that mean? Zero dimension. That's just buzzwords. That's just filler. I guess it's the final dimension in the sense that there are no more dimensions introduced in this movie. It's just that it's not a different dimension than the initial one. Nor are there ever any mention all on of the additional same dimensions. Dimension. They are it's- on the same dimension as us. They are going through time. Yeah. It, it it it's the it's the same set of dimensions in that it's 3D space and time <laughs> nothing is there's no dimensions the other title Highlander 3 sorcerer i'm like well okay cuz it's highlander but with a sorcerer with a sor- it makes sense totally get it yeah totally i don't know where the it. final dimension came from yeah this is a review left by Clark Collis of Empire magazine okay lame but in a good way fair Empire would say that. Yeah. <laughs> she said superiorly. I have another review here from an IMDb user. Okay. 
It's a 10 out of 10 review. Love it. It's called Highlander 3, The Sorcerer. Okay. Very to the point. Mm-hmm. And it was left by Haggit42. <laughs> Sometimes you just get a Haggit. I think this movie is good. <laughs> Christopher Lamb, sorry, Christopher Lambert is one of my favorite actors. This movie is not my favorite out of the four movies. I liked the first and the fourth. But don't forget, this is one of four, and I like to see them one after the other. <laughs> if you like a sword fighting seance, this is a movie for you. <laughs> Mario Van Peebles played in one of my favorite TV series, Rude Awakening, and I hope you like more than me this movie. What? <laughs> 10 out of 10. Strangely negative. <laughs> Strangely negative. But don't forget, they like to watch it in order. Like, don't, <laughs> please don't forget Haggett likes to watch them in order. I didn't even know there was a fourth one. Well, I guess There's like five, I think. All we know, I guess, about the future movies is that there are no more dimensions. <laughs> this was it. This was it. This is a review left by Dr. X Maverick called Good. 10 out of 10. This <laughs> is pretty solid. People rating so low and complaining don't understand the complexities of a multiverse storyline. I don't think this guy understands what a multiverse is. Because there is no such thing as a There's multiverse There's only story-wise. one dimension! <laughs> Granted, it's confusing for the prize to be won if three other immortals still existed. Yeah. The same thing happened in Buffy 2. 10 out of 10. That, I... Okay, I mean, Brooke and I have been watching through Buffy, and to be honest, at a different point in the podcast, I want to talk about the incredible representation and uh, affinity I feel with the character of Tara for a whole bunch of reasons. I've heard a lot cry. about Tara. She like the one that like people think she's like autistic or like she's been like written as a tw- an autistic character. I mean, I would argue that Anya is. Oh no, it was that, Anya. Yeah. It was Anya. I keep Tess say- was saying that Anya. Tess from work. Shout out to Tess if yeah. you're listening. Tess was from work was saying that Anya was her favorite character because she ha- was like she, basically like very. She is subtly, autistic coded. Yeah, autistic coded. Um, and more than anything, like she's autistic coded, but not in a way where like everyone treats her as special. Mm. Like everyone treats her as a person. Yeah. And she has both positive and negative traits. Like, yeah. that's what makes it good in that sense. No, Tara is the eventual girlfriend of Willow. Right. Um, Why do you connect so much with Tara? Because she's clearly very anxious. And she's, like, hot and sexy. She's, yeah, because she's really hot and just sexy. And she's everyone's really like, wow, everyone you're incredible. <laughs> I don't know. Because she's really anxious and because she stutters in the same way that I used to stutter a lot more when I was a teenager. And... and <laughs> Part of her backstory is really easy to... Obviously, it's being, like, a metaphor for gay, but a lot of her backstory is really easy to feel like trans allegory. Mm. And it just meant that I was, like... I feel like I'm being represented on screen in a way that wasn't possible for me to understand as a teenager, let alone actually see. And so it just makes me really emotional watching it. And I've really, really enjoyed watching through the first five seasons. And it's really matured as a show. It's gotten really, really, I don't know, like a lot of nuance out of it after that first season, which was kind of wishy-washy. Season five was in particular really, really incredible. One of the most moving episodes to do with her mother as well, which made me devastated because of my own... Uh, mother. And, I mean, I haven't seen the last two seasons, but I have no fucking clue what this reviewer is talking about. 
Watching through Buffy with Brooke has actually been one of my favorite experiences. Just, oh. It's been really, really sweet. And it's been really nice to watch it through after the fact with Brooke. It's been horrible reading about all the stuff about Just Whedon at the same time as her. But it's also been satisfying to get to celebrate the people involved who did a really good fucking job despite Just Whedon rather than because of. Oh. Yeah. Well, how many stars would you give this film, Michelle? Um, look, ultimately, like, with with Highlander 1, I said before, I think it's both the best and worst thing I've ever seen. Like, I, I, I wouldn't even be able to rate it, even though I really enjoyed it by the end of it. This is, it feels just like a copy, but one that is worse. It's, this movie is like when you copy a JPEG over and over and over again, and you just inter- in, introduce Literally, more artifacting. visually, in terms of the quality, yeah. yes. It's like when you find a meme from seven years ago on Facebook that has been through the depths of hell. <laughs> yeah. That's what this movie is. And I don't, I, I don't know, like, there's parts of it that I'm like, I would watch this again, but I think it's so fucking bad (laughs) i'd watch the first one again i wouldn't watch this one again it was kind of slow in the middle Mm. in a way that the first one wasn't and i don't think it felt like a movie so i'm gonna give it a 1.5 fair i was gonna say your criteria is also always did it feel like a movie and no it felt like a music video it didn't feel like a movie fair enough in no way did it it felt movie adjacent it felt like someone had heard of a movie and tried to make one uh from that description i found last week biodome was really tough Mm. for me And this wasn't as tough. I actually had a good time with certain parts of it. Mm. I think it is fucking terrible and it doesn't always look like a movie. But in terms of personal enjoyment, I think you're a lot more being... You're very good at being objective and I'm very bad at that. I'm very subjective with my ratings. I had an okay time with it and I was able to tolerate it. Sex and the City 2 is my bar and I didn't scream into a pillow. I had an okay time. I'm going to give it a... Because that's where we're at, by the way, is I had an okay time. <laughs> is it a good movie? Is it, it's, could I suffer through it? <laughs> by the way, that's where we've gotten it's to. It's really telling it, that our baseline has shifted so low. <laughs> I would give it a solid. Did I want to jump off the roof by the end of this movie? <laughs> no. So, you know. Was I physically disturbed by this movie? No. I'll give it a 2.7 out of 10. Nice. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, when we get to it, we can end up getting into negative ratings. I reckon we should. (laughs) Give ourselves that room. That's nice. Yeah. Well, that was Highlander 3, The Final Dimension. You can find us on Twitter under Rating Descending. Or you can find us personally. You can find me on Insta and Twitter under Michelle.StClair. And me on Insta under Abigail J. Ward. And don't forget to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. So what are we watching next week, Michelle? Next week we are watching Police Academy 6. Uh, yeah, I know you've been prepping. I've been, been prepping. you've been watching some Police Academies in advance. I'm watching all of them and uh, I'm halfway through and let me tell you, I am not a fan. No. <laughs> it's going to be a miserable watch. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Catch us next week, you silly... Boo-boo. You silly goose boo boos. <laughs> <Bye. laughs>